Amazing. And so, um, I should put that there. Fabulous, fabulous. Good. Okay, so here we are. Here we are. Here we are. The cusp of an of another momentous phase of extreme boredom and terrible worry in human history. Um, beginning of November, we're just about to go back to start a second half term at Hurtwood, and we're yep. also just about to embark on our second tranche of sort of lockdown or semi or largely entirely lockdown, um, <laughs> if you can call it that. If if we're still going back to school, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's really exciting times. It's, uh, it is, and right I, I, I'm, I'm it. just going to add in because I was waiting to see whether you would mention it. Um, this is the Day of the Dead. Um, mm. This is the mm. this is this extraordinary kind of combination of where you celebrate life through those mm. who have passed on um, and mm. uh, are kind of part of the ethos of things. And um, I think this is a really good time to kind of talk about. Um, well, everything, like as you say, the, the 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 day of the dead, this whole plague, this pandemic thing. But the fact of the matter is, uh, we're experiencing what the world has experienced many, many, many times before. Um, this is our particular form of trial, I suppose. Um, and in the face of it, it's it, it's about kind of what human beings actually do. I think it's about showing your metal. Um, and we're, you know, mm. we're warriors for the creative metal, aren't we, Sam? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it's uh, yeah, this whole kind of carnivalesque response to to illness and to death and, and that sort of thing where, yeah. you know, if... It, it, if this is all we've got, if this is all you've got to, got to go on, then we might as well uh, have a blast. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been so thrilled by the, uh, by the kind of coverage online. I'm, I'm addicted to Radio 6. That's my background noise. Um, after mm. Radio 4 in the morning, I kind of listens to all that. Um, but this absolute surge in, in, in the kind of, in the popularity of poetry and reading yeah. and, and the arts in general as a kind of, you know, a, 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 a place of, of um, positive hope and I don't mean you know I mean on one side I think we've you know like day of the dead you've got to face up to the fact mm, that we're all mm. you know we're all mortal and we'll all be ashes to ashes but that that for, that, that should be celebration not not negative and um, absolutely and it's in our creativity yeah, it, you know that we that, it that doesn't we get it doesn't have to be kind of hopeless no, optimism does no, it it no, can be energy no. and vigor and yes. excitement Yes. Um, so so many poets, you know, and so many people enjoying poetry, and so many people kind of saying, and uh, you know, poetry of all kinds. I'm talking about here, kind of rap, and the, you know, the the the, the amazing lyrics in so much of our music. And uh, I mean, it was Halloween, obviously yesterday, and uh, again, one of the adverts for something coming on radio, uh, on Radio Six was 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 that what those wonderful lines from Macbeth, you know, about the the the, the rookie wood and dark things mm. of you know the day giving way to the dark and so on um it's just um such a powerful way of kind of expressing ourselves when um you know when when we get more meditative which is what this whole thing is making us surely isn't it and this takes us very nicely (laughs) to where we are in podcast land which is the this amazing compilation of poetry uh, that we've had from students and from teachers. Yep. I mean, the list is enormous. I had to plug my um, my hard drive in to remind myself of of the amount, of the sheer amount of response that we had to this request for people's favourite pieces of writing, yep. short writing, and poetry. 
uh, that started, I think, off the back of National Poetry Day, yes. which was about a month ago now, I think 1st yes. of October. It was a, um, it was a Thursday, and um, I heard it on the radio, on Radio 6. <laughs> Actually, no, it was Radio 4. Um, and, um, and I just thought, what wouldn't it be fun if we all just read something we really liked? And, um, yeah. and, and um, yeah, as you say, we've had lots of people. I have, I've chased around. I think lots more people would like to, and, and I would love this to be the beginning of, a, of, of more readings now that we oh, are going course. to be more um, whatever. So let's, let's make this a start of something rather than the, an end in itself. But... Um, uh, again. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something if I may, yeah. which is to just quickly rattle off yes. the list of people yep. who we had involved in the reading. Yeah. Um, this is in this is in alphabetical order because it's I've got to look at it on on my computer, otherwise I have no <laughs> hope of remembering yes. all the people who've contributed. It's extraordinary. Um, so we've got poetry from Abby, from Alex, from Andy, Anik from Kathy and Charlotte and Chris and Doug and Ellie and Emma and Finn and Jake and James Baker and James Hartman and Lily and Lottie and Lynn and Maddie and Mark and Max <laughs> and Nikki and Phoebe and another Chris and Rebecca and Richard and Stuart and Zoe, some of whom are reading more than one poem or piece. It's been an extraordinary response. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever had anything like it. Um, you, haven't and, and you, haven't, this... you haven't forgotten Richard there, have you? Richard's in there. Did yeah, I did not you, say? Yeah, oh, right, I, I, I might have missed it. Actually, I was. Might, did I, 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 I might, might have missed, missed the. Yeah. I can't miss the big man. I can't miss the big man off the lid. That would be the, our budget would just be pulled. Oh, and, and Ted. Did you make, mention Ted? Oh, do you know what? I don't think I got one from Ted. Oh, okay, so what okay. we're going to have to do? Send that over, and I'll pop that into the edit as well. Right. These, these, this is all going to be very hot off the press. I'm still. There's a few that I st still need to edit in there. Right. Um, but it's some great stuff and a real extraordinary variety of material as well. Yes. Um, should we add our our pieces yes, to the pile? Should yes. we start things off by uh, uh, Sam and Louise giving their <laughs> their two cents for the uh, the poetry of our day? Go on then, lad. Um, you start. <laughs> so, shall I start us off? This is from that amazing collection of um, new sonnets Ooh, yes, uh, that we had a look at. Really exciting, um, those are. Uh, Vidyan Ravintharan, um, uh, who um, I don't know if he won, um, whether it was the T.S. Eliot Prize. I think he's been recommended by the Forward Collection, mm. which is the poetry collection that, that our students do a lot yep. of study from. Yep. Um, but like you said, it was actually mainly the publisher, Blood Axe, mm. that drew me to, to this book because they they think very sensitively and carefully about the stuff that they yes. publish. Yes. Um, and he's written these sonnets which are not pretentious um, and, and are about his life and are about, you know, humane, ordinary experience, but are definitely not mundane poems. Um, and this one, which I'm going to read, is called Who, are, Who Am I? Oh, I nearly fluffed the title there. That's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? Who am I? Okay. Who am I? And what can I get away with? Or from is the question we're asking this rainy weekend when we should be multitasking, shopping online or working from home. There is no need, given the quality of the light and the conversations we've had, to ask each other, what are you thinking? Episodes remain and will disappoint only slightly. At a loss, we could fight, given what one heard or misheard. I am powerful 
and no longer a victim goes the harangue while others nod with furrowed brows. Listen, or don't. You must fall silent before my wound, which, as in Shakespeare, has the truest tongue. There we are. Nice, so, nice. So, little sonnet, nice. Who Am I, from Vidyan Ravantharan. Excellent, um, I really enjoyed that. And not least, because, again, what's so lovely about all these poems, um, and by the way, um, we should mention, um, there are tears are shed in these poems. Um, <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> um, again, mm. reminding us that people, uh, you know, so many people said, oh, I don't really, you know, I don't really read poetry. Um, and then I said, well, isn't there something special? And when pushed... Everybody came up with something that was really, you know, nobody had to scratch around. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, it's those words, these words in, 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 in that order that kind of say things that really mean um, something. You know, I always think poetry is something, saying something that can't be said in any other way. And it's, and it's that's mm. the, you know, the kind of thing. So there, that idea of the sonnet, that kind of idea of working out ideas in the discipline of 14 lines of iambic pentameter, that whole kind of sense of, you know, making, make, saying something about a moment in time that's not, mm. you know, not world changing, or whatever. Well, listen, I'm going to read a little bit of Yeats because, well, you know, you knew I would. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he, when in trouble, read Yeats. It's like break glass. <laughs> in case of emergency. <laughs> yeah, he's always a good... And I think we have... I think Abby chose uh, some Yates because she's got Irish connections. She did. She and I'm did. just going to read... There's so many I could choose and this is no, by, by, by no means my favourite Yates in any way, form or manner, but I just think it's, it's the one that... that um, there's a marvellous little collection of him which, which, we, which I taught a few, uh, a few decades ago, probably, actually. Um, um, and, and Seamus Heaney had put together a collection, I noticed, and he'd put politics at the very end. It was a very late poem for Yeats, um, but it just kind of sums up the fact that in the face of a world that's in chaos and meltdown and political or a climate or 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 kind of um warfare or whatever everything all these things going wrong um all the same things still kind of survive it's one of the kind of keynotes of thomas hardy's poetry um mm. and and this one was written by yates very very late in his life and it's basically saying you know uh, there's all this stuff that i ought to be paying attention to but actually i still just think about the great human emotion of love desire and uh, personal fulfillment in the relationships that we have with the world so um okay. it's called politics um and it's from 1939, which will give you a, a, a kind oh, wow. of date cycle of, of, of what was actually going on in the world. And in actual fact, Yeats was to die in that year. He died in the January yeah. of that year. Um, so he never did actually get to see this awful war that was brewing again after, after the war that was supposed to end all wars. It's politics and it's very short. Um, and it has a little epigraph to it. It says, in our times, the destiny of man presents its meaning in political terms. And that's from Thomas Mann. And again, I'm reminded that this is the week that will decide us in terms of um, of Trump uh, and, and and the kind of fate of Western democracy, as oh, I feel it. Don't even so. get me. Don't even get me started <laughs> on that. Anyway, this is an antidote to that. So, politics by W. B. Yeats. How can I, that girl standing there, my attention fix on Roman or on Russian or on Spanish politics? Yet here's a travelled man that knows what he talks about. And there's a politician that has read and thought. And maybe what they say is true of war and war's alarms. But oh, that I were young again and held her in my arms. 
It's a, it's a fine poem, isn't it? It's a fine kind of. I love it because it's 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 a kind of poet's poet poem, and um, but it's also basically saying, in the face of everything that's happening around us, this 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 private life, this emotional life, is really really important. So absolutely. Um, so. and I think that I think that more of this to come, please. So let's yes. you know, guys, anyone out there who's listening to this. Um, let's keep sending in stuff that we like and stuff that moves yes. us and stuff that's a salve to the soul because yeah, yeah it's important salve so to the soul yeah so absolutely important. can i can i just read this this one little thing here which comes from this marvelous book a collection that my dad bought me he found in a charity shop called staying alive it's a collection yeah. an anthology yeah. um and it's it's, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's, a, it's a couple of quotes, and one is that Lucille Clifton, don't know who she is, but just saying, poems come out of wonder, not out of knowing. Poems mm. come out of wonder, not out of knowing. That, that, that I really like, but also this one from Charles Simic. Poetry says more about the psychic life of an age than any other art. Poetry is a place where all the fundamental questions are asked about the human condition. So I think that lots of the questions... Um, that come up from the poems that our selection have chosen um, are really, really interesting. And art, in the end, is the highest form of hope. That's <laughs> what we've got. It's the best thing we've got. Um, thank you, hey. Louise. That was okay. really lovely. And okay, um, I'll send yeah. Ted's over, and we'll um, and we'll take it and from we'll there. We'll see each other, you know, in... on the hill or on on, on the screen or wherever. <laughs> Okay, um, for Poetry Day, Louise, I have two poems with me. It just so happened that I, I brought in my, um, my Yeats book with me, and I am a huge Yeats fan, so I don't think we're particularly surprised that I chose Yeats. Um, but I've got two here with me. Uh, the first one I picked because the first one is he bids his beloved be at peace. Um, I don't know. In all honesty, I think it spoke more than the rest of the um, selection I have here. Um, because I just find it very, very moving and I think uh, there are going to be people listening to the Poetry Day um, readings and there'll be some hopeless romantics in there so <laughs> we love a bit of existentialism so uh, existentialism and love so here we go he bids his beloved be at peace I hear the shadowy horses their long manes a shake their hooves heavy with tumult their eyes glimmering white the north unfolds above them, clinging, creeping night. The east, her hidden joy before the morning break. The west weeps in pale dew and sighs passing away. The south is pouring down roses of crimson fire. Oh, vanity of sleep, hope, dream, endless desire. The horses of disaster plunge in the heavy clay. Beloved, let your eyes close and your heart beat over my heart and your hair fall over my breast drowning love's lonely hour in deep twilight of rest and hiding their tossing manes and their tumultuous feet <sighs> maybe
maybe I just picked that one because I fancied a cry today. Who knows? Um, the second one I picked was uh, In the Seven Woods. Uh, and this had a much more solid reason. <laughs> um, I have this one because, I don't know, it just, it, it would be, it makes me think of coming out of lockdown and looking for new light, even though we really haven't reached the light yet. It'd be, it just, it's, it's, a, it's about rebirth and <sighs> spring and letting go the old bitterness, um, which I, I feel like I've had to do a lot today, but you know, we're just, we're just going to go with it. And this is um, In the Seven Woods, Yates. Why was, why did Yates grow up in Ireland? I don't know. My phone's in the other room, so I'm just gonna have to, I'll, you know what, I'll go with, um, I'll go with a Cork accent, how about that? I'm, I'm tempted to say Waterford, because my, my granddad knew the family, so my granddad grew up in Waterford. Anyway, I've heard the pigeons of the seven woods make their faint thunder and the garden bees hum in the lime tree flowers and put away the unveiling outcries and the old bitterness that empty the heart. I have forgot a while, Tara uprooted, new commonness upon the throne and crying out the streets and hanging its paper flowers from post to post because it is alone, all things happy. And I am contented. For I know that quiet wanders, laughing and eating her wild heart among pigeons and bees, while the great archer, who but awaits his hour to shoot, still hangs a cloudy quiver over Parknalee. I think that's all I've got. I'll leave this book with you, actually, for you to have a little look through later. It's just a selection of his, um, is it all of his poems? I don't know, it's quite a small book. Okay, so these are words by a Ghanaian poet who uh, had them, well, I don't know if he actually had them, but, but uh, 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 a Jamaican poet and a musician called Linton Quasi Johnson, which is why I'm interested, because he's got my name, um, put them to a fantastic reggae tune. And uh, probably Sam's got all the details, I can't even remember the title. I think they're called Poems of Shape and Motion. But the tune is amazing. You can pick it up on uh, YouTube. Um, and it's just a great song. Obviously, Linton Kwesi Johnson's voice is deep and rich and with that sort of Jamaican sort of rhythm and twang, which I'm not going to try and do. I have never read this before. Sound like a student now. I've never read this before. So this is the first time I've ever read it. Hang on. I was wondering if I could shape this passion just as I wanted in solid fire. I was wondering if the strange combustion of my days 
The tensions of the world inside of me and the strength of my heart were enough. I was wondering if I could stand as tall while the tide of the sea rose and fell, if the sky would recede as I went, or the earth would emerge as I came to the door of the morning, locked against the sun. I was wondering if I could make myself nothing but fire, pure and incorruptible. The wound of wind on my face would be healed by the work of my life, or the growth of the pain in my sleep would be stopped by the strife in my days. I'm wondering if the agony of years could be traced to the seed of an hour, if the roots that spread out in the swamp ran too deep for the issuing flower. I was wondering if I could find myself in all that I am, in all that I could be, if all the population of stars would be less than the things I could utter, and the challenge of space in my soul would be filled by the shape I become. I walked slowly in the wind, hearing myself in the loneliness of a child, in a woman's grief which is not understood, in coughing dogs when midnight lingers long, on stones in streets, then on echoing stars that burn all night and suddenly go out. Yeah, I walked slowly in the wind, knowing myself in every moving thing, in years and days and words that mean so much. Strong hands that shake, long, hand, long roads that walk, and deeds that do themselves, and all this world and all these lives to live. I walk slowly in the wind, remembering the scorn and naked men in darkness, and huts of iron riveted to earth. Cold huts of iron stand upon this earth like rusting prisons. Each is well marked and each wide roof is spread like some dark wing casting a shadow or a living curse. I walk slowly in the wind to lifted sunset, red and gold and dim. A long brown river slanting to an ocean, a fishing boat, <laughs> a man who cannot drown. I walk slowly in the wind and the birds are swift and the sky is blue like silk and from the big sweeping ocean of water an iron ship rusted and brown anchors itself and the long river runs like a snake smooth silent i walk slowly in the wind and i hear my footsteps echoing down the tide echoing like a wave on the sand or a wing on the wind echoing echoing a voice in the soul a laugh in the funny silence I walk slowly in the wind. I walk because I cannot crawl or fly. Not a red rose or a satin heart. I give you an onion. It's a moon wrapped in brown paper. It promises light, like the careful undressing of love. Here, it will blind you with tears like a lover. It will make your reflection a wobbling photo of grief. I am trying to be truthful. Not a cute card or a kissogram. I give you an onion. Its fierce kiss will stain your lips possessive and faithful as we are, for as long as we are. Take it, its platinum loops shrink to a wedding ring, if you like. Lethal, its scent will cling to your fingers, cling to your knife. That's it. We had a jar with a butterfly. We opened the lid and it flew to the sky. And there were things inside my head, waiting to be thought or said. Dreams and jokes and wonderings are, locked inside like a butterfly jar. But then, when you are here with me, 
I can open the lid and set them free. That's lovely. Who's it by? Geoffrey Moss. Geoffrey Moss. And why did you choose it? I liked it when I was little. Okay. My mum read it to me when I was little and I've always liked it. And I've written it down in a special book and it lives in the house and every so often I just take it out and read it. What's it called again, sorry? Things I Know To Be True. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's quite long. To be, I mean, yeah. and it's not going to be the most dramatic reading because you are meant to cry in it, but... I hang up, I get out of the car, I can hardly breathe. I'm standing on the side of the highway. I don't know whether to turn back or keep going. I'm somewhere between who I was and who I'm going to be. I want my dad. I want my sisters and brother. I want my mum. I want my mum. But I can't think of her, of them. Not now, because if I do, my chest will explode. I feel like I'm literally going to fall to pieces, that my arms are going to drop off, and then my legs and my head. And so to stop myself from coming apart, I make a list of all the things that I know to be true. I know that having your heart broken by a boy from Spain won't be the worst thing that happens to you. I know that things can't remain the same no matter how much you want them to. I know that people aren't perfect, even the people you love, especially the people that you love. And I know that love is not enough to save them. I know what grief tastes like. It's bitter. I know what it sounds like. It's loud, and I know that on the day my mother died, my childhood finally ended. I know that summer turns to autumn, and that autumn becomes winter, and that winter turns to spring, and spring back to summer. And it goes on. Life. It goes on. Okay, so my name's Emma Wilde, um, and I've chosen this, story, this poem. This is called um, A Lovely Love Story, or The Lonely Dinosaur, by Edward Monkton. And... I got married two years ago, and this, my first marriage, and this was uh, read, I chose this as a reading at my wedding, so it's quite meaningful for me. Um, right, here we go. So, not long. <laughs> <laughs> the fierce dinosaur was trapped inside his cage of ice, and although it was cold, he was happy in there, well, it was, after all, his cage. Then along came the lovely other dinosaur. The lovely other dinosaur melted the dinosaur's cage with kind words and loving thoughts. Oh, I like this dinosaur, thought the lovely other dinosaur. Although he is fierce, he's also tender and he is funny. He's also quite clever, though I will not tell him this for now. Well, I like this lovely other dinosaur, thought the dinosaur. She is beautiful and she is different. And she smells so nice. She's also a free spirit, which is a quality I much admire in a dinosaur. Oh, but he is so distant and so peculiar at times, thought the lovely other dinosaur. He's so overly fond of things. Are all dinosaurs so overly fond of things? Oh, but her mind skips from here to there so quickly, thought the dinosaur. She's also uncommonly keen on shopping. Are all lovely other dinosaurs so uncommon and uncommonly keen on shopping? I will forgive his peculiarity and his concern for things, thought the lovely other dinosaur, for they are part of what makes him a richly charactered individual. 
And I will forgive her skipping mind and her fondness for shopping, thought the dinosaur. For she fills our life with beautiful thoughts and wonderful surprises. And besides, I'm not unkeen on shopping either. Now, the dinosaur and the lovely other dinosaur are old. Look at them. So together they stand on the hill, telling each other stories and feeling the warmth of the sun on their backs. And that, my friends, is how it is with love. Let us all be dinosaurs <laughs> and lovely other dinosaurs together. For the sun is warm and the world is a beautiful place. Bravo! That's exactly what poetry is all about. It says the things that you can't say any other way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just really like the fact it's about like, you know, coming out of depression and slowly like enjoying just the little things again when like, you know, the little things used to be the things that bothered you. Uh, so the poem is The Orange by Wendy Cope. Um, at lunchtime I bought a huge orange, the size, of a, the size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters and I got, had a half. And that orange, it made me so happy, as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, I walk in the park. This peace and contentment, it's new. The rest of today it was, was quite easy. I did all the jobs on my list and I enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you, I'm glad I exist. Um, tell us why you've chosen Blackberry Picking by Seamus Heaney. Um, well, before my life as a drama teacher, I was an English teacher and I can remember teaching Heaney and Clark in their anthology at GCSE level uh, in my previous school and really liked this one. I think probably because I've got memories of my grandmother making um, blackcurrant jam and using blackberries that, that grew in the, the garden, up in her garden in Scotland, and it was a sort of family jam, so I think it sort of struck a chord. Lovely. This is Blackberry Picking by Seamus Heaney. Late August, given heavy rain and sun for a full week, the blackberries would ripen. At first, just one, a glossy purple clot, among others, red, green, hard as a knot. You ate that first one, and its flesh was sweet, like thickened wine. Summer's blood was in it, leaving stains upon the tongue and a lust for picking. Then red ones inked up, and that hunger sent us out with milk cans, pea tins, jam pots, where briars scratched and wet grass bleached our boots. Round hayfields, cornfields and potato drills, we trekked and picked until the cans were full, until the tinkling bottom had been covered with green ones, and on top big dark blobs burned like a plate of eyes. Our hands were peppered with thorn pricks, our palms sticky as bluebeards. We hoarded the fresh berries in the byre, but when the bath was filled we found a fur, a rat-grey fungus glutting on our cash. The juice was stinking too. Once off the bush, the fruit fermented, 
The sweet flesh would turn sour. I always felt like crying. It wasn't fair that all the lovely canfuls smelt of rot. Each year I hoped they'd keep. Knew they would not. When I see a couple of kids and guess he's fucking her and she's taking pills or wearing a diaphragm, I know this is paradise. Everyone old has dreamed of, of all their lives, bonds and gestures pushed over to one side, like an outdated combine harvester, and everyone young going down the long slide to happiness, endlessly. I wonder if anyone looked at me 40 years back and thought, that'll be the life. No God anymore, or sweating in the dark about hell and that, or having to hide what you think of the priest. He and his lot will all go down the long slide, like free bloody birds. And immediately, rather than words, comes the thought of high windows, the sun comprehending glass, and beyond it, the deep blue air that shows nothing and is nowhere and is endless. Well, I couldn't say that there is one particular poem that has had a profound impact on me or the way that I think. But I do love a particular genre of poetry, and that is the genre of limericks. Lyrical and melodic in their style, they're just silly, quirky nonsense poems, really, which aim to amuse. And I like them for that, because they're inclusive. Brought into fame by the 19th century creative genius Edward Lear, he used limericks to amuse his friends. The most famous of his self-penned limericks is probably The Owl and the Pussycat. The Owl and the Pussycat went to sea in a beautiful pea-green boat. They took some honey and plenty of money wrapped up in a five-pound note. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue and they went to sea in a sieve. Yeah, crazy, crazy old Edward Lear. The composition of limericks is based on lines of verse with a certain pattern to each line. And I remember an English teacher once trying to teach me how to read verse and using limericks to exemplify how patterns are formed. And this was really useful, particularly when trying to recite um, Shakespeare. But beyond the intellectual reasons for trying to justify how limericks have inspired me, they're also just lots of silly fun. And I've often composed one or two for friends and family. Trapped in lockdown for many long weeks, things are beginning to look decidedly bleak. But we do as we're told, or we'll be seriously old. And by the time we're released, an antique. Final little Edward Lear um, limerick. There was an old man with a beard who said, it's just as I feared. Two owls and a hen, four larks and a wren have all built their nests in my beard. And that's why I love limericks. Okay, so uh, this is the song of the ungirt runners. And it is important to me because, well, I like to run, really. <laughs> and, you know, as, as I listen to it and... and even the very first time I heard it, which uh, I mean, it was it was attached to a video of you know some people running in beautiful locations, and it makes me think quite how lucky I am to have been able to go and you know through running. I've discovered new cities. Uh, I've run around uh, the Alps, 
I've run in Georgia, I've run around Frankfurt. So actually, you know, the, the ability to just explore on my own two feet at my own pace um, is, I think, what makes it most exciting uh, and most interesting. Thank you. Yeah. So. so here we go, as written by Mr. Charles Hamilton Sawley. We swing ungirded hips and lightened are our eyes. The rain is on our lips. We do not run for prize. We know not whom we trust, nor whither would we fare, but we run because we must, through the great wide air. The waters of the seas are troubled as by storm. The tempest strips the trees and does not leave them warm. Does the tearing tempest pause? Do the treetops ask it why? So we run without a cause, neath the big bare sky. The rain is on our lips, we do not run for prize. But the storm the water whips, and the wave howls to the skies. The winds arise and strike it, and scatter it like sand. And we run, because we like it, through the broad, bright land. Hi, I'm Alex, and I chose the poem uh, The Tiger by William Blake. Um, I first encountered it um, quite a while back, probably when I was about eight or nine years old. I did it for my uh, Lambda performance for an exam. Um, I think it was one of the first poems that really like, stood out to me and that I started to actually pay attention to poetry after this. So, um, Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? Worthy hand dare seize the fire, and what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dead grasp, dare its deadly terrors clasp? On the stairs threw down their spears, and watered heaven with their tears. Did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of thy night? What, Im what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? When my children first started school, when they were about four and a half, I felt very, very nervous as a mum and I didn't know how they would cope. And on Facebook, a, another mum, uh, not a professional poet or anything like this, um, just another mum wrote a poem on Facebook that I saw and I thought really reflected how a lot of parents feel when they wave their children off to school for the first time. So um, this is Emma Robinson's poem called Dear Teacher. Dear teacher, I know you're rather busy, first day back, there's just no time, a whole new class of little ones and this one here is mine. I'm sure you have things covered and have done this lots before but my girl is very little and she hasn't long turned four. In her uniform this morning she looked so tall and steady but now beside your great big school I'm not quite sure she's ready. Do you help them eat their lunch? Are you quick to soothe their fears? If she falls and hurts her knee, will someone dry her tears? And what if no one plays with her? What if someone's mean? What if two kids have a fight and she's caught in between? You're right, I have to leave now, it's time for her to go. I'm sure she'll learn so much from you, things that I don't know. 
Yes, I'm sure they do settle quickly and that she's fine now without me. I know she has to go to school. It's just so fast. You see, it seems like just a blink ago I first held her in my arms. It's been my job to love, to teach, to keep her safe from harm. So when I wave goodbye in a moment and she turns to walk inside, forgive me if I crumple into tears of loss and pride. I know as I give her one more kiss and watch her walk away that she'll never again be wholly mine as she was before today. Mirror by Sylvia Plath. I'm silver and exact. I have no preconceptions. Whatever I see, I swallow immediately, just as it is, unmisted by love or dislike. I'm not cruel, only truthful, the eye of a little god four-cornered. Most of the time I meditate on the opposite wall. It is pink with speckles. I have, looked at it is so, I have looked at it so long I think it is a part of my heart, but it flickers. Faces in darkness separate us over and over. Now I am a lake. A woman bends over me, searching my reaches for what she really is. Then she turns to those liars, the candles or the moon. I see her back and reflect it faithfully. She, re she rewards me with tears and an agitation of hands. I am important to her. She comes and goes. Each morning it is her face that replaces the darkness. In me she has drowned a young girl, and in me an old woman. Rise toward her day after day like a terrible fish. Uh, my poem is uh, from uh, Victor Hugo, who is uh, considered as one of the greatest French writers. Um, for instance, he wrote uh, Les Miserables and uh, The uh, uh, Hunchback of uh, uh, Notre Dame, which I'm sure you, you know about. But uh, uh, he's also a, a great poet, and uh, uh, his collection of 156 poems in the Les Contemplations uh, is uh, uh, very famous, and uh, it's a book which follows me actually uh, everywhere, even on uh, uh, holidays. Oh no, I'm sad. Now, this is a book which is divided into two volumes, uh, Autrefois, the past, et uh, Aujourd'hui, uh, today. And each volume is itself divided into three books. And the poem I'm going to read and I'm going to uh, try to do justice to, uh, hopefully, is a poem 22, book 2 from volume 1, and it is called uh, Aimons toujours, aimons encore. Aimons toujours, aimons encore. Quand l'amour s'en va, l'espoir fuit. L'amour, c'est le cri de l'aurore. L'amour, c'est l'hymne de la nuit. Ce que le flot dit au rivage, ce que le vent dit au vieux mont, ce que l'astre dit au nuage, c'est le mot ineffable, aimons. L'amour fait songer, vivre et croire. Il a pour réchauffer le cœur un rayon de plus que la gloire. Et ce rayon, c'est le bonheur. Aime qu'on les loue ou qu'on les blâme, Toujours les grands cœurs aimeront. Joins cette jeunesse de l'âme à la jeunesse de ton front. Aime afin de charmer tes heures, afin qu'on voit en tes beaux yeux des voluptés intérieures, le sourire mystérieux. Aimons-nous toujours davantage, unissons-nous mieux chaque jour. Les arbres croissent en feuillage que notre âme croisse en amour. Soyons le miroir et l'image, soyons la fleur et le parfum. 
les amants qui, seuls sous l'ombrage, se sentent deux et ne sont qu'un. Les poètes cherchent les belles. La femme, ange aux chastes faveurs, aime à rafraîchir sous ses ailes ses grands fronts brûlants et rêveurs. Venez à nous, beauté touchante. Viens à moi, toi, mon bien, ma loi. Ange, viens à moi quand tu chantes et quand tu pleures. Viens à moi. Nous seuls comprenons vos extases, car notre esprit n'est point moqueur, car les poètes sont les vases où les femmes versent leur cœur. Moi qui ne cherche dans ce monde que la seule réalité, moi qui laisse fuir comme l'onde tout ce qui n'est que vanité, je préfère au bien dont s'enivre l'orgueil du soldat ou du roi, l'ombre que tu fais sur mon livre quand ton front se penche sur moi. Toute ambition allumée dans notre esprit, brasier subtil, tombe en cendre ou volant en fumée. Et l'on se dit, qu'en reste-t-il tout plaisir, fleurs à peine éclose dans notre avril sombre et terni, ses feuilles et meurent, lys, myrrhe, tout rose, et l'on se dit, c'est donc fini. L'amour seul reste. Ô noble femme, si tu veux dans ce vil séjour garder ta foi, garder ton âme, garder ton Dieu, garde l'amour. Conserve en ton cœur, sans rien craindre, dusses-tu pleurer ou souffrir, la flamme qui ne peut s'éteindre et la fleur qui ne peut mourir. Invictus by William Ernst Henley Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shared, And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Mark? <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Mark and I'm reading Without You by Adrian Henry. Uh, one of the reasons I really like this is because I was trying to write a song which began with the words Without You and I was really making a hash of it. And then I came across this poem and I thought, you buggers, that's exactly what I was trying to say. And you said it's so much better. And it's part of the, uh, yeah, the, the, the Liverpool's or beat scene. I won't do it in a scouse accent because I'll only embarrass myself. But uh, it goes like this, without you. <clears throat> without you, every morning would be like going back to work after a holiday. Without you, I couldn't stand the smell of the East Lanks Road. Without you, ghost ferries would cross the Mersey manned by skeleton crews. Without you, I'd probably feel happy and have more money and time, and nothing to do with it. Without you, I'd have to leave my stillborn poems on other people's doorsteps wrapped in brown paper. Without you, there'd never be sauce to put on sausage butties. Without you, plastic flowers in shop windows would just be plastic flowers in shop windows. Without you, I'd spend my summers picking morosely over the remains of train crashes. Without you, white birds would wrench themselves free from my paintings and fly off dripping blood into the night. Without you, green apples wouldn't taste greener. Without you, mothers wouldn't let their children play out after tea. Without you, every musician in the world would forget how to play the blues. Without you, public houses would be public again. Without you, the Sunday Times colour supplement would come out in black and white. Without you, indifferent colonels would shrug their shoulders and press the button. Without you, they'd stop changing the flowers in Piccadilly Gardens. 
Without you, Clark Kent would forget how to become Superman. Without you, Sunshine Breakfast would only consist of cornflakes. Without you, there'd be no colour in magic colouring books. Without you, Martha's Eighth would only be performed by street musicians in derelict houses. Without you, they'd forget to put the salt in every packet of crisps. Without you, it would be an offence punishable by a fine of up to £200 or two months imprisonment to be found in possession of curry powder. Without you, riot police are massing in quiet side streets. Without you, all streets would be one way, the other way. Without you, there'd be no one not to kiss goodnight when we quarrel. Without you, the first Martian to land would turn round and go away again. Without you, they'd forget to change the weather. Without you, blind men would sell unlucky heather. Without you, there'd be no landscapes, no stations, no houses, no chip shops, no quiet villages, no seagulls on beaches, no hopscotch on pavements, no night, no morning. There'd be no city, no country without you. Hi, this is Max. Um, I'm just reading uh, On Death, which is part of one of my favourite books of poetry called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Um, I'm not religious in any way, but I read this at my mum's funeral, so it means an awful lot to me. Then Almitra spoke, saying, We would ask now of death. And he said, You would know the secret of death, but how shall you find it unless you seek it in the heart of life? The owl, whose night-bound eyes are blind unto the day, cannot unveil the mystery of light. If you would indeed behold the spirit of death, open your heart wide unto the body of life. For life and death are one, even as the river and sea are one. In the depth of your hopes and desires lies your silent knowledge of the beyond. And, like seeds dreaming beneath the snow, your heart dreams of spring. Trust the dreams for in them is hidden the gate to eternity. Your fear of death is but the trembling of the shepherd when he stands before the king whose hand is to be laid upon him in honour. Is the shepherd not joyful beneath his trembling that he shall wear the mark of the king? Yet is he not more mindful of his trembling? For what is it to die but to stand naked in the wind and to melt into the sun? And what is it to cease breathing, but to free the breath from its restless tides, that it may rise and expand and seek God unencumbered? Only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. And when you've climbed the mountain top, then shall you begin to climb. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then shall you truly dance. I'm Charlotte, and I first saw this poem when I was about six years old. At that time, that I didn't have a really deep understanding of poetry, but I fell in love with it. And, uh, the author of this poem is a really well-known person and who has gone to the universities in the United States and Britain. But uh, he died in an accident on a plane at a really young age. I will read this poem uh, twice. The first time I will read it in English, and the last time I will read it in Chinese. Say goodbye to the Cambridge again. Very curtly, I take my leave, as curtly as I came here. Curtly, I wave goodbye to the rose clouds in the western sky, the golden volos by the riverside 
are young birds in the setting sun. Their reflections on the shimmering waves always linger in the depths of my heart. The floating hearts growing in the sludge, serious lively under the water. In the giant waves of Cambridge, I would be a water plant that pool under the shade of air traces. Holds not water, but the rainbow from the sky. Shattered to pieces among the dark weeds, is the sediment of a rainbow-like dream. To seek a dream, just to pull a boat upstream, to where the green grass is more verdant, or to have a boat fully loaded with starlight, and sing aloud in the splendor. In the splendor of starlight, but I cannot sing aloud. Quietness is my farewell music. Even summer insects keep silence for me. Silence is Cambridge today. Very quietly, I take my leave. As quietly as I came here, gently I flick my sleeves. Not even a wisp of cloud will I bring away. 再别康桥，徐志摩。轻轻的，我走了，正如我轻轻的来，我轻轻的招手，作别西天的云彩。那河畔的金柳，是夕阳中的新娘，波光里的艳影，在我的心头荡漾。软泥上的青荇，油油的，在水底招摇，在康河的柔波里，我甘心做一条水草。那余音下的一潭，不是清泉，是天上虹，揉碎在浮藻间，沉淀着彩虹。是的梦，寻梦。撑一支长篙，向青草更清楚漫溯，满载一船星辉，在星辉斑斓里放歌。但我不能放歌，悄悄是别离的笙箫，夏虫也为我沉默，沉默是今晚的康桥，悄悄的。我走了，正如我悄悄的来，我挥一挥衣袖，不带走一片云彩。Go placidly amid the noise and the haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly, 
and clearly and listen to others. Even to the dull and the ignorant, they too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious to the spirit. And if you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself, especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You're a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or, whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labours and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Colonization in Reverse by Louise Bennett Coverley. What a joyful news, Miss Matty. I feel like my heart going burst. Jamaica people colonizing England in reverse. By the hundred, by the thousand, from country and from town. By the shipload, by the plane load, Jamaica is England bound. Them are poor out of Jamaica. Everybody's future plan is to get a big time job and settle in the motherland. What a island. What a people. Man and woman, old and young, just a pack them bag and baggage and turn history upside down. Some people don't like travel, but for sure them loyalty. Them all at home of cheap fear to England agency. And week by week, them shipping off them countrymen like fire to immigrate and populate the seat of the empire. Uno see how life is funny? Uno not see the turnabout? Jamaica lives the box bread out of English people mouth. For when them catch a England, and start play them different role. Some will settle down to work, and some will settle see the door. She ain't say the door is not too bad, because they paying she two pounds a week to seek a job. That suit her dignity. Miss Jane will never find work. At the rate how she had their look for all the days she stay upon Antifan couch and read love story book. What a devil meant to England. 
them face war and brave the words. But me wondering, how them going stand colonizing in reverse? Okay, today uh, I'm going to read a poem by James Fenton. Uh, I've selected a poem by uh, James because he is my son's favourite poet and I thought I owed it to him to have a little look through. Um, so it's from the collection called Yellow Tulips. So these are poems from 1968 to 2011. And this poem is called Blood and Lead. And the reason I've chosen it, there's a wonderful aspect of simplicity to this poem. Um, the monosyllabic lexies throughout aid that. There's a certainty that all this will come again and that sense of the relentlessness of war. Blood and Lead. Listen to what they did. Don't listen to what they said. What was written in blood has been set up in lead. Lead tears the heart, lead tears the brain. What was written in blood has been set up again. The heart is a drum, the drum has a snare. The snare is in the blood, the blood is in the air. Listen to what they did, listen to what's to come. Listen to the blood, listen to the drum. Um, the Milky Way streams silver through the night. I'm in no hurry with lightning telegrams. I have no cause to wake or trouble you. And as they say, the incident is closed. Love's boat has smashed against the daily grind. Now you and I are quits. Why bother, then, to balance mutual sorrows, pains, and hurts? Behold what quiet settles on the world. Night wraps the sky in tribute from the stars. In hours like these, one rises to address the ages, history, and all creation. So this is James. Uh, I'm reading Digging by Seamus Heaney, uh, a poem I chose because I met Seamus Heaney once and he took me out for a drink and I spent a delightful few hours in his company. Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests, snug as a gun. Under my window, a clean rasping sound when the spade sinks into gravelly ground. My father digging. I look down till his straining rump among the flower beds bends low, comes up twenty years away, stooping in rhythm through potato drills where he was digging. The coarse boot nestled on the lug, the shaft against the inside knee was levered firmly. He rooted out tall tops, buried the bright edge deep to scatter new potatoes that we picked, loving their cool hardness in our hands. By God, the old man could handle a spade, just like his old man. My grandfather cut more turf in a day than any other man on Toner's bog. Once I carried him milk in a bottle, corked sloppily with paper. He straightened up to drink it, then fell to right away, nicking and slicing neatly, heaving sods over his shoulder, going down and down for the good turf, digging. The cold smell of potato mould, the squelch and slap of soggy peat, the curt cuts of an edge through living roots awaken in my head. But I've no spade to follow men like them. Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests. I'll dig with it. I am Lily Norris Dugdale and I'm going to be reading Anne Hathaway by Caroline Duffy. It's from 
a collection called The World's Wife, which I read um, and I immediately fell in love with this poem because of the way that she turns the focus onto Shakespeare's wife, Anne Hathaway. And she explains why she loves Shakespeare and, and more about their love and, and, and how they love. <clears throat> Item I give unto my wife, my second best bed, from Shakespeare's Will. The bed we loved in was a spinning world of forests, castles, torchlight, cliff tops, seas where we would dive for pearls. My lover's words were shooting stars which fell to earth as kisses on these lips. My body now a softer rhyme to his, now echo, assonance, his touch a verb dancing in the centre of a noun. Some nights I dreamt he'd written me, the bed a page beneath his writer's hands. Romance and drama played by touch, by scent, by taste. In the other bed, the best, our guests dozed on, dribbling their prose. My living, laughing love. I hold him in the casket of my widow's head as he held me upon the next best bed. Uh, this is a poem about a boy and his bear. And um, it's about his friendship and their mutual codependability. It's called Us Two. Wherever I am, there's always poo. There's always poo and me. Whatever I do, he wants to do. Where are you going today, says Poo. Well, that's very odd, because I was too. Let's go together, says Pooh, says he. Let's go together, says Pooh. What's twice eleven, I said to Pooh. Twice what, said Pooh to me. I think it ought to be twenty-two. Just what I think myself, said Pooh. It wasn't an easy sum to do. But that's what it is, said Pooh, said he. That's what it is, said Pooh. Let's look for dragons, I said to Pooh. Yes, let's, said Pooh to me. So we crossed the river and found a few. Yes, those are dragons, all right, said Pooh. As soon as I saw their beaks, I knew. That's what they are, said Pooh, said he. That's what they are, said Pooh. Let's frighten the dragons, I said to Pooh. That's right, said Pooh to me. I'm not afraid, I said to Pooh, and I held his paw, and I shouted, Shoo! Silly old dragons! And off they flew. I wasn't afraid, said Pooh, said he. I'm never afraid with you. So wherever I am, there's always Pooh, there's always Pooh and me. What would I do, I said to Pooh, if it wasn't for you? And Pooh said, true, it isn't much fun for one, but two can stick together, says Pooh, says he. That's how it is, says Pooh. So I like this poem because it reminds me of home and I live where the writer used to live and I've been to his house, so it's nice to have the memories. Uh, it's called Daffodils by William Wordsworth. Uh, should I just go? I wandered lonely as a cloud, the floats on high o'er vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze, Continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched in never-ending line. Along the margin of a bay, ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in a springly dance. 
The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A post could not be but gay in such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills, and dance the dances with daffodils. It means to you. Funnily enough, um, I've always loved Edgar Allan Poe because it's uh, very musical and very rhythmic. And um, uh, my father used to work for a dreadful novelist called Chili Cooper. <laughs> and um, she always said it was, she thought it was the perfect poem. Um, and uh, she said it rhymes, it's a love story, um, and she loved it. And I remember I think the first time I looked it up was when Chili Cooper told me that this was her favourite poem. Okay. Um, and I got addicted to Edgar Allan Poe. I think The Bells is very good, but it's a bit long for, for this. So here we go, Annabelle Lee. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived, whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and to be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea, but we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee, so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me, to shut her up in a sepulchre in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee, and the stars never rise but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so all the night tide I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sepulchre there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. Um, my name is Phoebe Keeley Thomas and I like this poem because my mum sent it to me and I was feeling a bit homesick. It's called Resilience. Look at you, still standing after being knocked down and thrown out. Look at you still growing after being picked and plucked and prodded out of your home. Look at you, still dancing and singing after being defeated and dissembled. Look at you, love, still here and hopeful after it all. Hello, this is Lynn, and I'm going to be reading uh, Leonard Cohen's Hey, That's No Way to Say Goodbye. And I think this is actually a song, the lyrics to a song, but I think it works beautifully as a poem as well. I think that his music is, is, is poetry to music. So um, let's see if I'm right. Here we go. Hey, that's no way to say goodbye. 
I loved you in the morning, our kisses deep and warm, your hair upon the pillow like a sleepy golden storm. Yes, many loved before us, I know that we are not new. In city and in forest, they smiled like me and you. But now it's come to distances and both of us must try. Your eyes are soft with sorrow. Hey, that's no way to say goodbye. I'm not looking for another as I wander in my time. And walk me to the corner, our steps will always rhyme. Yes, you know my love goes with you as your love stays with me. It's just the way it changes, like the shoreline and the sea. But let's not talk of love or chains and things we can't untie. Your eyes are soft with sorrow. Hey, that's no way to say goodbye. Photography, 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 photography,